الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness. We seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone. and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger I'd like to begin uh, our lecture this evening um, I don't know what number is it, nine? I think last week was eight al-Eid, Salat al-Eidain was eight, okay uh, this is lecture number nine Uh, in which we will discuss Salat al-Khusuf or al-Khusuf the Eclipse Prayer but before uh, mentioning the Hadith from Salat al-Khusuf or the Eclipse the Salat for the Eclipse the Eclipse of the Sun or the Moon quickly I'd like to just mention the Hadith which we covered in the previous lecture concerning Salat al-Eidain That was hadith number 138 on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma qal kana nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa abu bakr wa umar yusallun al-eidaini qabla al-khutbah that Abdullah ibn Umar may Allah be pleased with him and his father said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as well as abu bakr and umar used to perform the eid prayer or the two prayers for the two eids before the khutbah they used to perform the prayer first before the khutbah and the second hadith which is related to it hadith number 139 the hadith of al-bara ibn azib radiyallahu anhuma may Allah be pleased with him and his father he said khadwana anabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yawm al-adha ba'd al-salat that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the khutbah to us after performing the salat yani the salat first and then the khutbah then he mentions what he said in that khutbah or some of what he said فَقَالَ مَنْ صَلَّى صَلَاتَنَا وَنَسَكَ نُسُكَنَا فَقَدْ أَصَابَ النُسُكَ That whoever has performed this prayer of ours, that we have performed it and made his sacrifice like the sacrifice which we have made yani at this time after the prayer and the khutbah then that person has performed the sacrifice properly وَمَنْ نَسَكَ قَبْلَ الصَّلَاةِ فَلَا نُسُكَ لَهُ And whoever has made his sacrifice before the salat yani before its time its time is after the salat, whoever has made it before the salat then he would not be given credit as having performed the sacrifice of the Eid at that time Abu Burda فَقَالَ Abu Burda ibn Niyar رضي الله عنه خَالَ الْبَرَاءِ ibn Azib Abu Burda who was the uncle of Al-Bara, the narrator of the hadith at that time he said يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِنِّي نَسَكْتُ شَاتِي that I have sacrificed my animal before the salat yani before its time unknowingly of course 
وشرب وأحببت أن تكون شاتي أول ما يذبح في بيته في بيتي. He said I know that today is the jazakallah khair is the day of eating and drinking and I loved and preferred or desired that my animal would be the first thing slaughtered in my house. فذبحت شاتي وتغديت قبل أن آتي الصلاة. So I slaughtered my sheep and then we ate from it before coming to the salat. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, Shatuka shatu lahm, that your animal that you have sacrificed is merely an animal that you have sacrificed for eating. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said, Qala Ya Rasulullah Fa inna indana anaqan lana jaza'a that verily we have a young she-goat yani that is less than one year old وَهِيَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيْنَا مِنْ شَاتَيْنِي أَفَتُجْزِي عَنِّي So if I am to slaughter it, it is more beloved to me than two regular sheep. If I, if I slaughter it, would it be sufficient? Would it يعني, suffice for me as the sacrifice for this day of Eid? The Prophet ﷺ said, نَعَمْ وَلَنْ تُجْزِي عَنْ أَحَدٍ بَعْدَكَ The Prophet agreed and allowed him to do so, but said that it would not be allowed for anyone else after him. Uh, from these hadith, the Shaykh mentioned a number of principles or points from amongst them is that the Salat should precede the Khutbah on the day of Eid. The Salat comes first before the Khutbah. And this is the Sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam. Also, from, this, from these two hadith we also understand <coughs> that whoever has attended the prayer and the dhikr and then they sacrifice the animal after the salat in its proper time then that person has actually achieved the sunnah yani they have followed the example of the Prophet also in this hadith we understand that whoever that attendance to the, at the prayer being present for the prayer is one of the signs or indications of the acceptance of a person's sacrifice yani that the person who makes the sacrifice should attend the prayer also. Attending of the prayer is important. As for the one who sacrificed before the salat, then it is not accepted as the sacrifice, يعني, the ritual sacrifice for the day of Eid. Also, <coughs> we understand from this hadith that the time of the sacrifice begins with the ending of the performance of the salat, when the salat has been performed. يعني, the time of the sacrifice is when the salat has been performed. It's not connected to the time of the prayer, but it's connected to the completion of the actual performance of the salat. So that a person has to come to the Eid ground and be sure that the prayer has been performed before they should make their sacrifice. Also in this hadith we understand that the day of Eid is a day of happiness and joy, of eating and drinking, and whoever uh, expresses or shows or manifests their joy and happiness with the intention that it is in accordance with this uh, part of Islam or this aspect of Islam that is the display of the happiness of Eid then it would be considered as an act of worship also uh, from this hadith we understand that the hadi or adahi that a person, the animal that a person wants to sacrifice for those who are performing Hajj or those who are not performing Hajj on the day of Eid al-Adha who make a sacrifice from the smaller animals like goats and sheep 
it is not accepted unless that animal has completed one year. And it has to be at least one year old, not less than one year. And it was only a special exception, as the Shaykh mentions in point number seven, that there was a special exception made for Abu Burda radiallahu anhu, that his animal, which was less than a year, was allowed as a sacrifice for him, though for everyone else, it should, one of the conditions that the animal should be at least one year old. And the last point that the Shaykh mentions, he quotes from Imam Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, rahimahullah, that in this hadith is an indication that those things which we have been commanded to do, acts that we have been commanded to do, if they are done in a way contrary or in contradiction to the way that we have been ordered to do them, even if we did it wrongly out of ignorance, it is not an excuse and it is not accepted. It will have to be done over again. As opposed to those things which we are prohibited from, the prohibited things, or if a person fell into one of them out of ignorance, then there is an excuse for them. I need the excuse for this based on the hadith of the Prophet that really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has overlooked or pardoned my ummah for their mistakes, forgetfulness, and that which they are uh, compelled to do, they are forced to do. The next hadith is hadith number 140, the hadith of Jundub ibn Abdullah al-Bajadi radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said, Salla Rasulullah sallallahu nahr that the Prophet first uh, led the people in prayer on the day of Nahr and then he gave the khutbah then he slaughtered his animal and he said whoever has made his sacrifice before we have prayed before he has performed the prayer then he is required to make another sacrifice in the place of that one وَمَنْ لَمْ يَذْبَحْ فَلْيَذْبَحْ بِإِسْمِ اللَّهِ and whoever hasn't yet sacrificed then he should sacrifice in the name of Allah uh, concerning this hadith the shaykh mentions just briefly that there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars uh, concerning whether or not the sacrifice the adhiyah on the day of Eid al-Adha, is it wajib, obligatory, or is it sunnah mu'akkada? Yani, a well-confirmed sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he never abandoned. And the first opinion is the opinion of Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, uh, rahimahullah, and Al-Imam Malik and Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah. Their opinion is that the adhiyah on Yom Eid al-Adha, it is wajibah, it is obligatory whoever has the ability to do so. Whoever has the means to make the sacrifice, it is obligatory on them to do so. And they said this based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَ That Allah ordered us, then perform the prayer for your Lord, and He ordered us to make the sacrifice. It is in the command form, وَنْحَ The majority of scholars, however, the second opinion is the opinion of the Jamhur, the majority, and they held that this sacrifice is sunnah mu'akkada and it is a sunnah that the Prophet always performed, he never abandoned it. In any case, the Shaykh says that it is preferable that no one should leave off. Whether they hold the opinion that it's wajib or sunnah mu'akkada, no one should abandon it if they are able to do it. Uh, as long as they are able, they should not leave it. It should be done because the Prophet said, Man kana lahu sa'a that whoever has the ability or the means 
and he doesn't make the sacrifice, then he shouldn't come near to our prayer place. And last week I said that this hadith, I was unable to check it, and I was unsure if it was authentic or not, and somehow I thought it was unauthentic, but alhamdulillah I checked it, and I found that it is reported in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, and it is authentic, it is sahih. Alhamdulillah, it is an authentic hadith. Uh, whoever has the ability or the means and he doesn't make the sacrifice, then don't come near our prayer place. And the place of the Salat al Eid. Uh, the next hadith is hadith number 141, the hadith of Jabi ibn Abdullah, radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said, Shahid to Ma Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Yawm al Eid. That I attended with the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that is the prayer on the Yawm Al-Eid and he began with the Salat first before the Khutbah without any Adhan and without any Iqamah he said that he stood up meaning or seeking assistance from Bilal and he ordered the people to fear Allah to have taqwa and he encouraged them to, in obedience to Allah and he reminded them yani warning and encouraging them warning them from evil and encouraging them doing good and he reminded them of the paradise the Jannah and the Nar then he went on until he reached the place of the women he also encouraged and warned the women and he reminded them of Allah's paradise and the hellfire he said O women uh, give charity for verily you, you would be most of the fuel of the hellfire من سطط النساء سفعاه الخدين فقالت لما يا رسول الله and a woman stood up from the middle of the women with black mark on her cheeks and she said why is it O Messenger of Allah يعني why is it that the women would be mostly the fuel of the hellfire the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said لأن كنا تكثرنا شكاتا وتكفرنا العشيرة because you are too much complaining and also because you are not grateful to your husbands yani for the good that they have done for you the narrator Jabir radiallahu anhu said فَجَعَلْنَا يَتَصَدَّقْنَا مِنْ حُلِيهِنَّ يُلْقِينَا فِي ثَوْبْ بِلَالْ مِنْ أَقْرَاتِهِنَّ وَخَوَاتِيمِهِنَّ and he said that the women immediately began to give charity from their jewelry throwing it into the garment of Bilal, the earrings as well as the rings from their fingers. The Shaykh also mentioned a number of points from this hadith. I will try to summarize them just quickly because there are many. That uh, the Salat is first before the Khutbah, that there is no Adhan or Ikhama for the Salat Al-Eid, that it is Mustahab for the speaker, the khatib, to stand while giving the khutbah, and that the Prophet ﷺ in that khutbah ordered the people with taqwa, uh, which 
is a comprehensive word including fulfilling Allah's commands and abandoning his prohibitions. Uh, also he reminded them to stick to taqwa and obedience to Allah, reminding them of Allah's threat of punishment for the disobedient and his promise of reward for those who obey him. Uh, and he also singled out the women with a special talk for the women as they were far away from the men, yani the men and the women should be separated and didn't hear his speech or perhaps because there was something particular or special that he wanted to remind them of. Uh, also from this hadith, the Shaykh said, we know that the women go out to the Salat al-Eid or that they did go out to the Salat al-Eid in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Therefore we know that it is permissible. In fact, it is encouraged and some scholars said that it is commanded based on the following the hadith coming after this one. Uh, <clears throat> also from this hadith we understand that the women should be separated from the men. They should not be mixing together. Uh, and that includes in the masjids as well as in the Eid ground. Even more so in the masjids. Uh, also from this hadith that the women would be more than the men. And those who would enter the hellfire amongst women would be more than the men. And the reason for that is to their constant or يعني, much complaining and their ingratitude to their husbands or those who did good to them. Uh, also that evil speech and ingratitude is a reason, is a cause for entering the hellfire and that sadaqah or charity is a cause of being saved from the punishment of Allah. Uh, and also from this hadith we understand that the women of the Sahaba they, they addressed the Prophet ﷺ concerning those things that were of importance to them. Also in this hadith we understand the fiqh or the understanding of the women of the, women of the Sahaba uh, as displayed in that woman who stood up and spoke to the Prophet ﷺ when he said that the women would be most of the fuel of the fire. They under, she understood that this was not due to injustice from Allah ﷻ, but there was a cause or a reason for it. And therefore she wanted to know what was that reason, so she asked about it so that they could avoid it. Also in this hadith, we see that how the women hastened in the doing of good and giving of charity, hoping for Allah's reward and fearing His punishment. And that uh, the woman, the adult mature woman, if she gives in sadaqah from her own wealth or property, she may do so without the permission of her husband. And this is the opinion of the majority of scholars. And finally, from this hadith we might also understand the permissibility of the women, of the women piercing their ears as the women in the time of the Prophet ﷺ used to wear earrings. <coughs> the final hadith that we mentioned last week, hadith number 142, the hadith of Umm Atiyah, Nusayba al-Ansariya, amarana ta'ani Nabi أن نخرج في العيدين عواتق وذوات الخضور وأمر الحيضة أن يعتزلنا مصلى المسلمين أم عطية رضي الله عنها she said that we were ordered the Prophet ordered us to bring out on the days of Eid the young uh, ladies who had reached maturity as well as the virgin girls and even the women in Mensis even the women in Mensis he ordered them to come out on the day of the Eid, but that those who are immense should avoid at, or should avoid going into the actual area where the prayer is performed, I mean where the Eid prayer is performed. Uh, 
And in some of the narrations is reported in Bukhari is reported she said that we have been ordered to bring out on the day of Eid uh, or to come out on the day of Eid even the virgin girls from their secluded places or their place of seclusion even the women who are in Memphis uh, and that they would join with the rest of the Muslims in the takbir for the praise of Allah and in the glorification of Allah when they made takbir and in their supplications when they supplicated Allah hoping for the blessings of that day and the forgiveness of sins Concerning this hadith, the Shaykh mentions also there is a difference of opinion and the difference of opinion is concerning the ruling of Salat al-Eid. The first opinion, it is the well-known opinion of Imam Ahmed that it is fard kifaya, that it is obligatory on some of the Muslims as long as some of them perform it, others are free of blame. There is another opinion of Imam Ahmed which is the third opinion along with Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah that it is fard al-Ain, obligatory on everyone. In any case, the second opinion is the opinion of Imam Malik and Imam Shafi'i rahimahumullah uh, that it is sunnah mu'akkada yani that the performance of the Salat al-Eid is sunnah mu'akkada it is an established, well-established or well-confirmed sunnah of the Prophet and the third opinion is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah and it is also yani one of the opinions of Imam Ahmed and the uh, choice of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah that it is fard ayn that is obligatory on every Muslim to attend the Salat al-Eid uh, from this hadith the Shaykh mentioned five points the obligation of Salat al-Eid even for the women which is the what is understood from the apparent meaning of the hadith that the Prophet ordered them to come out so it's understood from that that it was obligatory even for the women uh, number two, the obligation of the women in Memphis from avoiding the masjid or the musalla or the place of salat. Number three, that the place of salat for the Eid, the musalla Eid, the prayer ground which is outside, it has the same ruling as the masjids. <coughs> yani, that the women in Memphis shouldn't be in the actual place of the salat. Number four, that the menses, the woman in menses is not prohibited due to her menses, she is not prohibited from supplicating, making a dua, or remembering Allah as dhikr. And finally, number five, he said, the virtues or the superiority of Yawm al-Eid, and that it is a time in which dua is expected to be answered, that Allah answers or hears our supplications in that time. This is what we covered uh, last week, and today we'd like to begin a new chapter. Salat al-Khusuf Salat al-Khusuf is spelled with kaf and also Salat al-Khusuf with kha kha al-Khusuf kaf and al-Khusuf with kha the shaykh in his introduction says al-Khusuf with kaf and al-Khusuf with kha the first of these fusuf is normally applied to the absence of the light or the blocking or eclipsing of the light of the sun al-kusuf spelled with kaf kaf seen wow fa al-kusuf is normally referred to 
the blacking or eclipsing of the light of the sun or part of it or some part of the light of the sun being blacked while the second expression al-khusuf with kha like in khamsa or khadija khadija or khair khubs this one khusuf it is normally applied to the blacking or eclipsing of the light of the moon or part of it yani khusuf is the blacking of the light of the sun and khusuf is the blacking of the light of the moon yani this is the most common usage of these two words in the fusha arabic language although one of them may be applied to the other also you may say khusuf referring to the blacking of the light of the sun or the blacking of the light of the moon you may say khusuf referring to the blacking of the light of the sun though it is in fusha classical arabic language more properly applied to the blacking of the light of the moon but khusuf may also be used to apply to the blacking of the light of the sun as is mentioned in some of the hadith in this chapter in any case he says that these two uh, phenomena al-khusuf and al-khusuf they have causes or reasons that can be known in physical phenomena yani in the physical uh, movements of the planets and it can be known or a person can come to know this by studying the knowledge of the uh, rotations and traveling of the sun and the moon in their orbits and if the person who studies this ilm hisab the movements of the planetary bodies they can come to know about the causes and the reasons for this occurrence of the eclipse of the sun or the moon as well he said that they have other causes which are ma'anawiyya or khafiyya unknown or unseen that are not detectable for human beings and in those things which are known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone all of these causes <coughs> those which are hasiyya the physical causes that you can detect and know about and see as well as the ma'anawiyya those which are unseen and undetectable by the human observance all of them are divine causes that which we see the physical causes and that which we don't see they are all caused by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> so when the divine wisdom requires that there should be a change in something of his universal signs the universal signs of Allah yani the ayat of Allah al-qawniya universal signs not the ayat al-qur'aniya the revealed signs in the Quran but the universal signs the things that we see in the creation when the divine wisdom requires some change <coughs> in those universal signs such as the eclipsing of the sun or eclipsing of the moon or earthquakes uh, <coughs> it will be it will happen to wake up the people from their unconsciousness of the obligations to worship Allah and if these things may happen in order to bring the people's attention back to the obligation to worship Allah and it may also be used as a warning to warn the people against their commission of acts of disobedience or falling into that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited these things may happen to wake the people back up and to warn them against their actions which are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time when it is necessary 
for this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause or will yani, activate those causes the ordinary natural phenomenon that cause the eclipse or cause earthquakes or otherwise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause these things to be activated to bring about the change in the universal system that these unusual phenomena will take place such as the blocking or the disappearance of the sun of the uh, light of the sun or the moon or volcanic eruptions uh, storms thunder and other such signs in the heavenly bodies this is so that the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would know that behind this great universe and this universal يعني, system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created they will know that behind it there is one who is controlling it and one who has power over it in his hand is the power of everything and he is the one that has total control over it all we will come to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be reminded that he is the one who is controlling everything even though things are the universe is functioning in a perfect way but sometimes unusual phenomena take place and this is to remind us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who set this universe its system into place also he may change it or cause any change in it as he wills and this is a means of awakening the people from their unconsciousness and reminding them or warning them against their sins and disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is well able to do all of these things uh, as a sign uh, just as he destroyed the previous nations with lightning and thunder or winds or storms or floods or earthquakes and so on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed the people through these universal phenomena and this is a warning to the people when they have turned away from Allah that perhaps these things may be the cause of their destruction also <coughs> Here, the Shaykh says that just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to take away the light from the sun and the moon, <coughs> then the people would be walking lost in darkness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to cause drought in the land so that the trees dry up and die and the rivers dry up to bring to the people's attention that everything in the universe is under his control and in his hand and in his grip and this way he will encourage the people to fear violating his laws and to fear his prohibitions unfortunately he said today we are living in a time of materialism and transgression of all bounds so that the people they are not able to grasp or to understand and they don't recognize or acknowledge these great signs they don't acknowledge them either due to forgetfulness or total ignorance of the signs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are meant to be a warning to us a warning of his punishment and a reminder of his reward for those who obey him but today we're living in a time when these signs come and go and the people hardly pay any attention to it perhaps it's just something that the people enjoy as an event or sightseeing occasion. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah discussed this 
topic and the Shaykh has summarized it here saying that and this is seven or eight hundred years ago he said that these two eclipses the eclipse of the moon Al-Khusuf and the eclipse of the sun Al-Khusuf they have times that have been fixed and determined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take place just as the rising of the Hilal, the new moon as the be- in the beginning of the month has a fixed time when it takes place so also the eclipse of the sun and the moon as we came to know today in our time but seven or eight hundred years ago he is saying this that the eclipse of the sun and the moon its time can be calculated it has been fixed by Allah now today they are saying there is going to be eclipse such and such day at such and such time but here Shaykh Islam is saying that these things have been fixed by Allah and he's saying that a long time ago that it is known that they have a time that is set just as the rising of the sun and the moon and the, the new moon its appearance in the beginning of the month and so on <coughs> as Allah has ordered the day and the night and the seasons of winter and summer all of these things uh, including the uh, traveling through the universe and the rotation of the planets and the sun and the moon all of it has been fixed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and these are signs that Allah has placed in the creation and here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Yunus chapter 10 uh, I think verse 5 I'm not sure no it's not verse 5 I, I didn't write the number but anyway it's in Surah Yunus the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala هُوَ الَّذِي جَعَلَ الشَّمْسَ بِيَاءً وَالْقَمَرَ نُورًا وَقَدَّرَهُ مَنَازِلًا that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one who has made the sun as a bright shining uh, light and he has made the moon as a light and he has uh, determined or fixed the stages of each of, of all of them yani the stages of the heavenly bodies yani the stages that they travel through and also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Rahman chapter 55 verse 5 al-shamsu wal-qamaru bi-husban that the sun and the moon have a fixed they have fixed courses that they travel in Allah has determined it this is not something that is haphazardly happening but it has a fixed course and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has determined it and people can come to know and if the knowledge of these things can be known uh, it is known as uh, astronomy I was afraid to say astrology <laughs> but I would mistakenly say astrology astronomy <coughs> uh, just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the path or the traveling or the appearance of the new moon for example that it will happen on the, the night of the 30th or the 31st I mean the night before the 30th or the night before the first of the new month Allah made the hilal to appear so also Allah made it as a habit as a, as a fixed course for the sun that it would be eclipsed at a time when the sun is bright in the sky and so also the moon it would be eclipsed at a time when the moon is full and bright in the sky Allah made it that it would happen at those times so that it would be clear that the people would see it otherwise if it happened at the time when the sun is not bright in the sky or the moon is not full in the sky then it wouldn't be noticeable but Allah made it like this and the knowledge of these things just as the knowledge of the course of the Hilal it is something uh, (coughs) that can be known but the knowledge of the Hilal, the appearance of the new moon, is known yani, commonly to most of the people. It's something that's common knowledge. But as for the knowledge 
of the eclipse of the sun and the moon it's something that only few people know but it can be known and now the scientists and have shown that they have knowledge of such the knowledge of this eclipse of the sun and the moon he said Sheikh Hussain Taymiyyah more than seven or eight hundred years ago said this knowledge is not something of the knowledge of ilm al-ghayb knowledge of the unseen and if some people said they could predict the eclipse of the sun or the moon perhaps they would say we have knowledge of the unseen but actually it's knowledge it may be known only to a few but it's knowledge just as the rotation of the sun and the moon and the appearance of the hilal can be known so also it can be known it's not knowledge of the unseen uh, and it is also not something that we should deny that anyone can know it but it can be known then he says the knowledge of this the time when the sun or the moon will be eclipsed even though it's possible to know it but it is, it is only known by few those who have special knowledge who have advanced knowledge but when we find that those who, who know about this knowledge agree that it would happen on a certain time then we will find that usually they will predict it accurately and it's something that in fact can be predicted nonetheless he says and this is the point that is very important here that the knowledge of when the eclipse would take place it is not something that we can base our religion or acts of worship upon yani the prediction of someone we don't uh, make the salat for example salat al, uh, the salat for the eclipse khusuf or khusuf we don't make it based on a prediction that the scientists predicted that an eclipse is going to take place on a certain day at a certain time we are not to make the salat yani the ibadah legal shar'i matters are not based on their predictions but we will make the salat if it actually happens even though we don't deny that they can predict it but we don't pray unless it actually happens unless we see it unless it is seen it is a phenomenon that is seen then we will do it and so also the appearance of the hilal even though they can predict it that the hilal will be seen at a certain time on a certain day so they will say then Ramadan will start on this day it will only be 29 days but if it's not seen we will not accept it even though it's predictable but actually our ibadah sharia matters is based on the witnessing of the event of the phenomenon not on the prediction this is an important point here because some people said well the scientists predicted that the no moon cannot be seen tonight therefore no way so if some Muslims said they saw it we reject it and we will not start our fast tomorrow no we go on the witness of the Muslims not on the prediction of scientists if they said it cannot be seen and it's seen by Muslims then we accept it this is, uh, this is the Sharia if they said it will be seen but nobody sees it we don't accept their prediction nobody saw it we don't uh, begin our fast we, we're based on the actual witnessing of these physical phenomena this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it to be and this is an important point that Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah is making here uh, he says that the Salat these two prayers the solar or lunar eclipse the prayer for them is not to be performed unless they are actually witnessed so if it is predicted a person may intend to pray but they shouldn't they may even prepare for the time of that prediction to pray but the actual performance of the prayer is not done until it is witnessed until it's actually seen and preparing for it or accepting their prediction yani preparing oneself based on the prediction 
It is يعني, from the point of view that a person hastens and prepares themselves for obedience to Allah. يعني, if it's predicted that the eclipse will take place, we might prepare ourselves for it so that we will be ready to do this act of ibadah. But we will not do it unless we actually see it. Then he said that the salat, al-khusuf, the eclipse prayer, is something that is agreed upon amongst the Muslims. يعني, it is by consensus. And it has been reported by Mutawatir Hadith in the books of Sunnah. And it is reported Mutawatira by many, many, many innumerable chains of narration. Therefore, there is no reason why anyone should doubt it. And the first Hadith that we have here from Amdas al-Ahkam, Hadith number 143, An Aisha anha, أن الشمس خصفت على أهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عيش رضي الله عنه said that the sun was eclipsed in the lifetime of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم فبعث مناديا ينادي الصلاة جامعة then the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sent one an announcer to call out to the people الصلاة جامعة يعني to call the people to the prayer in congregation together as a congregation فاجتمعوا وتقدم فكبر وصلى أربع ركعات في ركعتين وأربع سجدات when the announcer or the caller called to the people to come to the prayer in congregation the people gathered they collected themselves the Prophet stepped forward and he made takbir Allahu Akbar and then he salla arba raka'at. He made four ruku's. Four ruku's. Yani four bowings. Fi raka'ataini. In two cycles of prayer. Two raka'at. Yani the prayer was two raka'at like fajr. But in that two raka'at he made four bowings. Not as you normally do in two raka'at you make two bowings. And normally in a one raka'at of prayer you make one ruku and two sajdis. But in this prayer, the Prophet made two rakah, but in those two rakah, he made four bowings as well as four sajdis. The four sajdis is ordinary, because in each rakah you make two sajdis. But the bowing you make normally, in the normal prayer, one bowing and one rakah. But here he made two bowings in each rakah, making four bowings in addition to four prostrations. This is the unique manner of the performance of Salat al-Khusuf. That in two rakah, there are four bowings instead of two. Here the shaykh says, general meaning of this hadith is that the sun was eclipsed in the time of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu So he sent an announcer into the streets and into the marketplaces, calling out to the people, As-salata jami'atan. Come to the prayer in congregation. So that they would pray and supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Allah to forgive them and have mercy on them and to continue his open manifest as well as hidden lessons that he has given to the people. Then he said that the people gathered together in his masjid, in the masjid of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and he stepped forward without making a qama, without making a qama. Then he made takbir saying Allahu Akbar and he prayed two rakah. Uh, 
and the description of those two raka will follow. Then the details of it is in the in another hadith, hadith of Aisha, hadith number 145. Here from this hadith, as it is without the details, the only details mentioned here that there are two raka, and that the bowings are four, and the and the prostrations are four. From this hadith, the Sheikh says we understand that number one, that. Uh, the eclipse of the sun actually took place in the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that an eclipse of the sun took place in his lifetime number two that it is mustahab, commendable, beloved or praiseworthy to perform the salat or to perform a prayer at the time of the eclipse at the time of the eclipse Imam al-Nawwi rahimahullah says that there is ijma' or consensus that this prayer of Qusuf that it is Sunnah that this prayer, the performance of this prayer is Sunnah Imam Nawi said that there is consensus that it is Sunnah number three it is legislated for the people to gather together to perform it in congregation to show their humility and submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to supplicate to him and to hasten making repentance, tawbah and istighfar, seeking his forgiveness because this prayer and dua and making repentance and seeking Allah's forgiveness it will be a cause for our sins to be forgiven number four he says that for this prayer there is no adhan but in fact what is done is that a caller should proclaim as-salata jamiatan there's no adhan, there's no ithama, but there's only the call of the caller, as-salata jamiatan. Number five, that salat al-khusuf, it is four bowings and four prostrations. And the details of exactly how it's performed come in the later hadith. The next hadith is hadith number 144, the hadith of Abu Mas'ud, Uqba ibn Amir al-Ansari radiyallahu anhu. He said, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ إِنَّ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ آيَتَانِ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ يُخَوِّفُ اللَّهُ بِهِ يُخَوِّفُ اللَّهُ بِهِمَا عِبَادَهُ He said that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said, that verily the sun and the moon to phenomena, the eclipse of the sun or the eclipse of the moon, it doesn't take place due to the death of anyone of the people, nor to the birth of anyone or the life, yani the birth of anyone. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ مِنْهُمَا شَيْئًا فَصَلُّوا وَدَعُوا حَتَّى يَنْكَشِفَ مَا بِكُمْ So if any one of you, or if you see something of these things taking place, of these phenomena, eclipse of the sun or the moon, then you should perform prayer, and you should supplicate until that eclipse is finished. Yani until the light of the sun or the moon reappears. reappears. Uh, <coughs> In some of the narrations, there are a number of narrations of this hadith with slightly different wording, but the general meaning yani, is the same. 
The Shaykh says here, the general meaning of this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ has made clear, he has clarified that the sun and the moon are from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which indicate or point to his power and his wisdom. And it is the signs that point to the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the wisdom of Allah. And that the changing of the natural system that these things are func- functioning under the sun and the moon, their light appearing and, and yani rising and descending the changing in that system it doesn't take place as a result of the life or death of any great person yani we don't understand and we don't accept that an eclipse takes place because some great person has been born or some great person has died this is the belief of the people of Jahiliyyah that events or phenomena in the universe take place due to the life, birth or the death of some important person. But in fact these things take place in order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put fear into the servants, his slaves, so that they would renew their relation to him, making tawbah and turning back to him, doing acts of obedience, seeking his pleasure and seeking his forgiveness. For this reason, the Prophet ﷺ guided the people to hasten to salat and to supplication at the time of these phenomena until it was removed, until the sun reappeared, the light of the sun or the light of the moon reappeared. And then he closes by saying that in the universe, there are, in the phenomena of the universe, there, is, there are the secrets of Allah and there is the indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is controlling all of the affairs. On this hadith, the Shaykh mentions four points. The first of them, that it is legislated as the occasion of the eclipse of the sun or the moon, al-khusuf or al-khusuf. It is legislated to make salat and it is legislated to make a dua, supplication turning back to Allah and hoping for Him to turn to us and accept from us. Number two, that the end of the Salat should be with the end of the eclipse. When the light of the sun or the moon reappears, that's the actual end of the time of the Salat. If the person, if the Imam who is leading the prayer, finish the prayer before the eclipse ended, then the people should continue in some acts of submission and devotion to Allah, such as supplicating Allah or seeking His forgiveness, etc., until that eclipse is finished. Because there is no proof for the repetition of the Salat of Kusuf, and that it should be, another prayer should be performed. If the Imam finished the prayer and the eclipse is still continuing, then they will continue in submission to Allah, making supplication or dhikr or dua or istighfar or tawbah and so on like this. Not to repeat the prayer again. Number three, the apparent meaning of this hadith suggests to us that the prayer should be performed even if the eclipse took place at a prohibited time. And this is the correct opinion. 
that even if the eclipse took place at a time when we are prohibited normally to pray, still the prayer should be performed. Because this prayer, Salatul Khusuf or Salatul Khusuf, it is a prayer which has a reason or cause for it to be performed. And we said that the prohibited times are prohibited times for prayers which are purely voluntary. But if the prayer has a reason or cause, such as this prayer, Khusuf or Khusuf or Istikhara or Tahiyat uh, al-Masjid or anything like this, then it is allowed to perform the prayer even at that prohibited time. <coughs> and as long as the cause or the reason for the prayer is present, even in the prohibited time it's, it's, it's allowed to pray. So he says here that even if the eclipse took place at a prohibited time, we will still perform the eclipse prayer. Uh, number four, and the final point that he says concerning this is that uh, the hikmah or the wisdom for which this uh, eclipse of the sun or the moon takes place, it is takhweef al-ibad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to put fear into the slaves, into the servants, into the believers, to put fear into their hearts, in the hearts of the people, to remind them of their shortcoming uh, in fulfilling the obligations to Allah, or to remind them or to put fear in them from the acts of disobedience and sin that they are committing, to help them to come back to the remembrance of Allah and to refrain from uh, these acts of disobedience, or to return to Allah fulfilling the obligatory obligations that he made upon us. Also he said that part of the wisdom of this is to warn the people of the punishment of Allah. As some of the people of the past nations were punished through such natural phenomena of floods or lightning or earthquakes or so on. So this is also a warning to the people of the punishment of Allah and to stare the hearts of those who are in uh, unmindfulness, who are just, as we see around us every day, people just enjoying the dunya, not thinking about Allah, not thinking about the prayers, not thinking about obligations, not thinking about the sin that they are engaging in, all of the haram. They are in ghafla, and they are unmindful of the reality. So these things are also, part of the wisdom is to bring the people back to their senses, to waken up their dead or sleeping hearts. Uh, and also to give the people a sample of what will take place on Yawm Qiyamah. Yeah, and the phenomena that will take place on the Day of Judgment, the staring of the, uh, the heavenly bodies, and the changing or disruption of the universal system that Allah has set in order, all of this will take place in the last days before the judgment. And this is a sample of what it will be like on the Day of Resurrection. And it is also an announcement that those who have not committed sin may also be called to account. Yani that we are responsible for ourselves as well as those who are around us. Therefore he said that this should be to warn the one who commits sins from his sins and it should also be an urging to those who are in obedience to Allah to warn those who are committing sins to stop committing their sins. This is uh, the last point that the Shaykh mentions here, and the next hadith is very long. Perhaps, how much time is left before the event? 
Huh? Eight to ten minutes. Okay. Uh, actually, there are two hadiths, and both of them are very long. So it's not possible to take them. Uh, rather than to go on, we can just stop here and take the next two hadith, Bismillah Ta'ala. Allah willing, we will complete the, this chapter of Eclipse and Khusuf and Al Khusuf next week with the two remaining hadith. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shirwanna ila ila anta stagfuruka wa atubu ilayk. If there are any comments or questions or corrections, uh, perhaps we'll just look at. Um, a question? Otherwise, we can just look at yani, the, the next hadith, at the text of it, without going into the explanation of it, because the explanation is very long, and the ikhtilaf about it and the points from it are many, a uh, few pages. So, uh, let's just look at the text of it for the benefit of having in our mind some idea of the details of how the prayer was performed. Uh, it is reported in the hadith of Aisha, radiallahu anha, qalat khasafat, الشمس على أهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. This is hadith number 145 from says that the sun was eclipsed in the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم. فقام فصلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بالناس. The Prophet stood up and led the people in prayer. فأطال القيام. He made the standing قيام very long. ثم ركع فأطال الركوع. Then he bowed. And made the ruku very long. Then he stood up. After making ruku, he stood up and stood for a long time. But the second standing in qiyam was shorter than the first one. And in the qiyam, he recited from the Quran the first time, long recitation. Then he bowed and made long bowing. Then he stood up again in qiyam a second time. And he made long recitation, but not as long as the first time. ثم ركع فأطال الركوع وهو دون الركوع الأول. Then he made bowing again for the second time in the same raka. He bowed for a second time and he made the ruku very very long, but not as long as the first bowing. All of this is still the first raka. ثم سجد فأطال السجود. Then he prostrated and he made the prostration very long. ثم فعل في الركع الأخرى أو الركع الثانية. مثل ما فعل في الأولى أو في الركعة الأولى. Then he did in the second next raka like he did in the first raka. يعني all of what he did as he described here in detail he did the same thing again as he stood up for the second raka. ثم انصرف وقد انجلت وتجلت الشمس فخطب الناس then the Prophet ﷺ got up from the prayer and the sun had came out. Yeah, and the eclipse had finished. And the Prophet ﷺ then spoke to the people. He made the khutbah praising Allah and glorifying Allah. And he said in that khutbah, Inna shamsa wal qamara ayatani min ayatillah. That verily the sun and the moon are two of the signs of Allah. لا تنخسفان لموت أحد ولا لحياته. They are not eclipsed due to the death of anyone, nor to the birth of anyone. فإذا رأيتم ذلك فدعوا الله أو فذكروا الله. In some of the narrations, so if any one of you seen these phenomena, eclipse of the sun and the moon, then he should supplicate to Allah. And in some of the narrations, says فذكروا الله. He should remember Allah. وكبروا وصلوا وتصدقوا. 
they should say Allahu Akbar, they should make salat and they should give charity. And they should supplicate to Allah, glorify Allah saying Allahu Akbar, make salat and give sadaqah. ثم قال يا أمة محمد والله ما من أحد أغير من الله سبحانه من يزني عبده أو تزني أمته. Then he said, O nation of Muhammad, I swear by Allah, there is no one who is more who has more غيرة more غيرة than Allah سبحانه وتعالى when any one of his servants, male or female, commits fornication. يا أمة محمد والله لو تعلمون ما أعلموا لا دحتم قليلا ولا بقيتم كثيرا. Then he said, Oh nation, O Ummah of Muhammad, I swear by Allah, if you knew what I know, you would laugh little and you would cry much. And here, غيره is difficult to translate, but the meaning of غيره it means the sense of honor. Ah. I think it perhaps is it in the translation of the hadith. It means the sense of honor that someone here has. And when that honor is violated, the person becomes angry due to the violation of their honor or their self-respect or their prestige. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when His laws are violated, the, re- the response of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is called al-ghayrah here. That Allah also when his laws are violated, he becomes angry with those servants. So here he said that no one is more aghyaru, have more ghayra than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, when one of his servants, male or female, commits fornication. And this is in general. Whenever anyone commits sins, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his ghayra is, يعني, it comes into play. It is activated. Allah is not pleased when his laws are violated. <coughs> and here the Imam uh, Abdul Ghani Allah says He also reported in this hadith In the end of it he says Some of the narration says فَاسْتَكْمَلَ أَرْبَعَ رَكَعَاتِ وَأَرْبَعَ سَجَدَاتِ Yani that he made complete four bowings and four prostrations In this hadith And we will discuss the details of it Perhaps in the next meeting But the important thing in this hadith The details of how the Salat al-Khusuf is performed That in it of are two bowings and two prostrations in each rakah. And the bowings are very long, and the prostrations and the standing are all long. There are two standings, and two bowings, and two prostrations in one rakah. As opposed to the normal prayer, where there's one bowing and one standing, the standing for recitation of Quran, and two prostrations. But here, there's two standings for recitation of Quran, and two bowings, as well as two prostrations. And all of them were very long, the first one being longer than the second one. Yani the first qiyam for recitation of the Qur'an was very long, and then he bowed very long, and then he stood up and stood reciting Qur'an again very long, but not as long as the first one. And then he bowed again very long, but not as long as the first bow. Then he stood up, the normal standing up after ruku, and made sajda. And that sajda also was very long, two prostrations, before standing up for the second rakah. In the second rakah he did likewise. He stood reciting the Qur'an very long, and then bowing very long. Then he stood up reciting the Qur'an again very long, but not as long as the first one. And then he bowed very long, but not as long as the first bowing. Then he stood up to prepare to make sajda. And he made two sajdas also, the prostrations 
being very long. <coughs> and in some of the reports, he said that he stood the length of time that one would recite Surah Al-Baqarah. And he two and a half Jews of Qur'an. So the bowing, you can see that when we say very long, maybe we should say very, 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 very long. And he stood very long until the eclipse was finished. Now. <laughs> 